you're listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Tonight we are marking the Feast of All Saints, the day set aside to remember and celebrate the lives of those who have gone before us. So who are the saints? Well, biblically, the saints, in Greek, hagios, or holy ones. The saints are those who follow Jesus, including both the living and those who have died. So in his greeting at the beginning of the epistle to the Romans, Paul can write, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. And then later in that same epistle, write of the need to contribute to the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. Kevin Grummet's photographic piece speaks to this, with those tiles including both faces of stained glass saints along with our faces. We are called to be saints in Paul's language, or may be called to be numbered by God amongst the saints, in spite of the sometimes unsaintly character of our lives. Sunday by Sunday, we are claimed as God's holy people in the Eucharistic prayer. And maybe some Sundays you hear that and you think, who, me? Or maybe, who, her? Or who, him? Holy? Really? A group of 14 of us returned last night from a four-day retreat at St. John's Abbey in Collegeville, where we were deeply immersed in that monastic community's practice of observing the feasts of all saints and all souls. The first morning of our retreat, we met with Brother Cyril, and he gave us an overview of what we were to expect, how we might understand the liturgical and spiritual practices over those days. Brother Cyril pointed out that for Vespers on the Eve of All Saints, All Saints Eve or All Hallows Eve, we would all enter the church in procession as a litany of saints was sung. The cantors would be singing out the names of the saints, including Peter and Paul, Mark and Luke, Benedict and Scholastica. It was a long list, he said, and after each name we would all sing a simple refrain. Among those names, Brother Cyril added, would be sung the names of the monks who had died over the course of the past year. Jerome, Meinrad, Canute, Kieran, and Corwin. Then he commented, You know, you hear Peter and Paul and Mark and Luke and Benedict, and then you hear the names of these people you knew, and you think, that monk? A saint? Right up there with Peter and Paul? I mean, I live with that guy. I knew all of his quirks. And then he smiled, and he says, yep, that monk. And her and him and you and me. Not, mind you, because we have achieved some super status of holiness, but because in Christ and through Christ we have been declared justified, numbered among God's children, claimed as God's saints. Seriously, 
If you read the New Testament with your eyes truly open, you have to agree that even Peter and Paul were not without their failings and their foibles. Paul could be very hard-nosed, which is sometimes the flip side of being very faithful, right? It's quite clear that Paul and Peter had a pretty serious falling out over the matter of whether Jewish and Gentile Christians could share meals together. Paul also had quite a serious falling out with Barnabas. That was whether or not they should give young John Mark a second chance after he'd failed to come through for them once in the past. Barnabas said, yes, yes, give the young man a second chance. Paul said, no way. And so the two parted paths. Those guys, Paul and Barnabas, saints, I mean, they couldn't even get themselves on the same page when it came to forgiving and incorporating a young man who had failed. But yes, of course, they are numbered amongst God's holy one in spite of the sometimes less than holy character of their very real lives. So, the first bit of truth-telling that we do on all saints is to say that no matter how long a list of saints you might generate, there is not a one of them who will be perfect, completely integrated, or without sin. That's another way of saying that there's not a one of us who comes without our own complexities, failings, wounds, blind spots, and yes, sin. As soon as you begin to acknowledge that, the next step is to say that our church has to be a place where it is okay to be a hurting or broken or struggling person because those are precisely the people God has declared to be the beloved children, the saints. Second bit of truth-telling to be done on this night is to set aside the lie that says that someone could ever be a self-made man in the old language or a self-made person. It's impossible. When in our prayers tonight we hear read aloud the names many of you have submitted to have included as your saints to be remembered, your people, people to be held and remembered before God, That's an acknowledgement that we are all indebted to those who have gone before us, whose lives or love or writings or music or whatever have shaped us and formed us. We stand on their shoulders, on the foundations they have laid for us. And when you stop and think about having been born of this mother and raised by that family, or gone to this school and been touched by that particular teacher, lived down the street from that important neighbor, been a part of a Sunday school, been cared for by that person, had the chance to learn from that professor. Well, the list goes on and on, hopefully for better, sadly, sometimes for worse. The point is, We haven't come to where we are by virtue of our own steam, our own capacities and capabilities. And if you do have some of those for worse people in your past, 
someone maybe who has been hurtful or abusive or cold or wounding. Tonight is a time to then be particularly thankful for those others who might have brought you that little bit of light and hope and love that kept you putting one foot in front of the other. Thirdly, if we are prepared to remember and celebrate the lives of those who have gone before us, we also need to acknowledge their deaths. Our cultures is one that has trouble speaking honestly, openly about death. So rather than saying that someone has died, people will often say that they have passed away or, more recently, passed. We often shy away from the word funeral, preferring instead to speak of a celebration of life. Now, celebrating a life is not a bad thing, of course. It's part of what we're doing tonight. But if it stops there, and all about refuses to acknowledge that there has been a death, to acknowledge all the loss and grief that that implies, well, then we're only telling half the story. This was something really reinforced over these past days for that group of us that had journeyed to St. John's Abbey. On Thursday night, yes, we we sang the names of those monks who had died in that litany of the saints. But then yesterday morning, the monastic community and all of its guests, including us, we processed through the abbey, down through the monastic garden, across the way to the cemetery, the abbey cemetery. And we stood by the graves of those monks and we remembered And we prayed. What was utterly striking and deeply poignant was to see that community of monks standing on the very ground in which each one of them would one day be buried, acknowledging death and loss, experiencing grief and sorrow, and at the same time being prepared to embrace the mystery of the cross and resurrection, to feel under your feet the very ground in which your body will one day be buried, and to still proclaim that in Christ death, as real as it is, death does not have the final word, that's powerful. Powerful both in acknowledging that death awaits us all and in proclaiming a deeper, a much deeper hopefulness. So this night, remember before God your saints, those whose lives shaped you, formed you, touched you, gifted you. Remember them and resist any temptation to sugarcoat them. Remember with thanksgiving those whose lives and witness have shaped and formed you, and remember, too, that you are called to do the same for others. Dare to say the word death, and to feel under your own feet the ground in which your body or your ashes will one day lie. But be not afraid. 
For as Paul wrote in his first letter to the Thessalonians, we do not grieve as others do who have no hope and we're meant to hope together. To close, prayer from St. John's Abbey offered over the days that we were there. Almighty God and Father, it is our certain faith that your Son who died on the cross, was raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. Grant that through this mystery your servants, who have gone to their rest in Christ, may share in the joy of his resurrection. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to a St. Benedict's Table podcast. For more information on our church, or to provide support for our online work, visit us at stbenedictstable.ca.